Boom. Welcome back, people. So today we're going to talk about how do I build a track record before I set up my fund? I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it with no investors and without an Ivy League degree? This podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Hey guys, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Pennington. Today, we're going to talk about how do I get a track record? This is a question I get a ton when launching a fund, launching any type of investment vehicle, everybody asks, what's your track record, right? Um, so today we're gonna dive into this topic of how I believe you could gain a, an effective track record without you know, being on Wall Street or going to Harvard and doing that. So, and by the way, I also, this is a new mic. Hopefully it sounds okay. Um, it's not peaking. We've upgraded our mic a little bit. Uh, you know, we've hit about 10,000 downloads a month. So I said, hey, let's get a new mic. So bam, here we are with a new mic. Hopefully, uh, I know our, our audios are really bad. I, just a quick side note. I was told by someone when starting a podcast, don't listen to your first 30 episodes. Just go, just record about 30, 40 episodes and then go back and listen. So we've hit about 50, 60 episodes now. So I said, okay, it's about time. I should probably go listen to myself because I'm a heavy critique on speakers and how they present information. And I'm not that great, but I can critique very well and I need to get better. So I, I started to listen to our show and I'm sorry people, but the audio from like the intro to the outro to my actual stuff has been bad on some episodes. And anyways, we're going to try to fix that. I've, I've got a sound guy we're going to start working with anyways to, to help that. This episode might still be kind of bad, but we're getting on it. We're working on it. So Okay. Quick story. So yesterday I go over to our, I actually, so I live in Utah. I go to, so BYU, Brigham Young University. I, I found a class there. I actively, I love learning and going to different classes. Um, I think universities are, I kind of bag Harvard and university sometimes, but there are some amazing courses out there. I just hate generals. I hate like the, Hey, you got to go take biology and physics and like arts. And it's like, screw that. Like when I was in college, I took I took entrepreneurship, I took Google ads, I took real estate investing. They, were, they had these amazing elective classes in the business school. I took negotiation was a class taught by this amazing guy named Stan Christensen. He'd worked on the Harvard um, business project, or excuse me, Harvard negotiation project. He teaches at Stanford, runs an M&A fund, and then also flew out once a week to BYU to teach a class. There was just an amazing class with a bunch of MBA students. That's the kind of classes I've, I've taken college and took in college. So I found this class BYU, it's called investment banking and private equity. It's, it's run by this amazing professor. A lot of professors at BYU, I don't know about other schools, but BYU has a lot of professors that just have killed it in their careers and just for their retirement, come back and just teach a class or two just for fun. They don't take a salary. They just kind of hang out and do this. So I'm in this class called investment banking, private equity. And we had a, a visitor yesterday. He was a recent grad of BYU. Um, he works at a private equity fund. They do, uh, it's a VC um, he didn't tell us exactly all the stuff they, they invest in tech, um, mid-stage tech companies, I believe. Anyway, so he works on kind of on wall street and, and was telling us all about it and, and why he didn't do consulting and why he didn't do investment banking and stuff. And he goes, all right, who's got the biggest, baddest dream in this room? Like who wants like in the next like couple years, like who wants to just crush it? And like, some, like one girl raises her hand and she says like, she wants to do something cool. And I was like, sweet. And then I raised my hand. I'm like, Hey, like. I want to run, um, our fund hasn't hit $10 million yet. AUM. And I was like, Hey, I want to run a $10 million fund. And he's like, he's like, 
oh really? Like you want to run a fund? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to run a fund. He's like, oh yeah. Okay. Like, well, good luck. Like, how are you going to like raise money and stuff? Like if you were going to, and he, he's, he's like really hammering on me now. He's like, oh yeah. Like, okay. So how, like, if you're going to pitch our professor, he's a rich guy, right? Like how would you pitch him on your, on your investment? I kind of like, I'm laughing inside to myself because I've ran a fund for two years. Like I've already raised money. Like anyways, so I'm like, I just kind of go with him. I'm like, well, I would show him an incredible deal, an incredible offer and show him the deal and, and pitch him on it. He goes, that would never work. And I'm like, okay, well, what would work? And he goes, you got to have an amazing track record and you could show him your track record and then he would invest in you. I was like, okay, like, I'm not trying to fight with you. Like, I was like, I'm not trying to fight with you. Like, like, I want to hear your presentation, but I was like, okay, that's, you know, it's a good point. But I was like, also like, yeah, I'm like, I agree with you on the track record, but also like, yeah, it's like that track record with a coupled with a good deal right in front of him. I think he would put money in. And anyways, he goes on in his speech and uh, is talking and he talks for a couple more minutes and comes back to me. He's like, all right, so, so you, he's like, what's your name? Like, my name is Bridger. And he's like, he's like, so like, seriously though, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want to do with your fund? I'm like, well, I've actually ran a fund for the last two years and I've actually raised money. And he's like, oh, no way. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, like you didn't, like you're running out on campus though. Like through the camp, like, cause like BYU has like a fund that they let students run. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is my own fund. I started it. Um, I have my private, like private, like high net worth investors, credit investors that I've gotten the fund. He's just like, he was like, wow. He's like, oh, okay, well, sorry. Like I kind of picked on you earlier. I'm like, no worries. But I was like, Hey, I think it's a good point though, about the track record. And I kind of told him about our track record, um, how our fund has done fairly well. And, and by the way, I'm getting all my, I've hired a third party auditor right now to audit all of our 2019 numbers. So I can actually tell you our returns. We've gotten really good returns, but I can't tell you publicly. So I'm getting them audited. I want to publish them. Anyways, couple, couple weeks, I'll tell you all of our returns from last year. Um, so, but I, I like the topic though of, of what he brought up and he's a good guy. I'm not picking on him or anything, but he was talking, he was starting to fund. Um, his, his plan was to leave his firm and start a fund. And, um, but he, he made a good point about track record, right? Of how to build a track record. And how do you do that when starting a fund is a, is a hard thing? And that's what he was saying. He's like, I think you should start a track record or have a track record to invest. And I said, that's a great point. So today I want to talk about how do you build a track record, right? How do you build the, it's like, it's like chicken and the egg, right? You want to start a fund to build a track record, but you need a track record to build a fund. So anyways, a, a few things. I was on a one-on-one coaching call yesterday talking about the same question of somebody who's asking me, he's like, Bridger, how do I get into this? How do I start doing deals and get investing? And I think a fantastic way to do it is before you go start a fund, set up some syndication deals on your investment strategy. If you can, now, Bridger, what's a syndication deal? A syndication deal is instead of like going through and setting up your LPA and PPM and all the legal documents of setting up a whole fund, find a good investment, a good deal. It could be a real estate deal. It could be, um, he was planning to buy a bunch of small businesses and group them together and sell them as a package. Uh, other people in the stock market just set up like a simple LLC, get investors and say, Hey, I'm going to hold and retain now you can do this a ton of different ways. Some people say, Hey, I'm going to retain 15% equity for myself because I'm doing all the work, right? I'm getting all the deal together. I'm going to retain 15% equity. 85% is open for investors to put money in and you get, you get to put money in pro rata and you'll get percentage pro rata, how much money you place into the entity. So that's one way to do it. Other people I talked with, I had an interview with Aaron Wagner, who's actually going to be one of our mastermind coaches. And I'm going to have post a pieces of his interview um, on the show in a couple weeks. But he said when he does syndicates, he takes 51% 
and lets 49% available to investors to put money in. Either way, I would say in starting out small, you probably want to go on the, the smaller equity side. You essentially set up an LLC that people put money in. You have a simple operating agreement or document that says, hey, let's say you did the 15% example. Hey, no, I can't be kicked out of, or no one can be voted out of this entity unless you have 86% vote. That's the only way anyone can get kicked out of this entity. So by definition, you would have to vote yourself out of the entity. And then what you can do is that entity's only purpose is to go uh, invest in stocks and bonds or to uh, buy this cool real estate project you found or to you know issue debt and, and uh, give out loans and issue on property. My first, I call it a fund, but my first capital raise was through an entity just like that, a syndicate deal. Now I'll go through the pros and cons of doing a syndication versus a fund. So syndication, um, a lot of it's, I think it's a fantastic way to start pros. It's easy to set up a lot less, you know, intense. Um, if you have less than maybe 10 people that are going to put money into a smaller deal, I think a syndicate's a fantastic way to go get your feet wet and to get started in investing, um, and put your own money into it too. say, I'm, I'm putting money in. I got skin in the game and doing this. Now the, the cons are you have potential of, let's say one of your investors wakes up one day and just says, Hey, Bridger, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like your investment strategy. I, or they just say, Hey, I've got taxes to pay. I've got to pull some money out. And they, let's say they've owned 40% of the equity and they come in and say, Bridger, I got to pull my money. out. I got to pay taxes this year. And you go, no, we can't. We like the project still, it's not matured yet. And they're like, no, we got to pull money out. And they have more equity percentage of the, they could do a couple of things. They could do an aggressive takeover of the entity, have their big lawyers come in and boot you out of the entity. They could, you know, get a vote together and vote to sell the property early and it loses money and it hurts your track record, right? Just because they have a, a, a tax problem, essentially. Uh, that's the cons, the risks that you run. So I would say in a syndication deal, make sure all the investors are, uh, very, you're, you disclose to them exactly what's going on. They can't pull money out, really try to to get that set up. But still, if they really wanted to, they could hire lawyers and, and do whatever they want to you. That's why Aaron Wagner, when I talked to him, he said he always has 51% control of every entity he sets up because he wants to avoid that risk. Now, contrast that with a fund model. And a lot of funds started out as syndicates. Uh, my fund started as a syndicate. My dad's funds, $20 billion. They Their first funds were syndicates. And they were bringing money together. And they finally had, they had a closing on a Friday. And one person, one investor didn't put money in and they said, and and they lost their hard money on the deal. They said, we are never letting this happen again because one investor couldn't put money in. They had some problem. We lost a a fantastic deal and we done all this work. We lost all of our money. Uh, We're never doing this again. We're switching to a fund model. And in a fund model, what happens is you have investors, limited partners that put money in. Once they put money in, they they lose all rights to that money. That money is, uh, they are a limited partner and the general partner has oversight over what happens. As long as the general partner doesn't do anything illegal or break you know, the covenants in your documents, they can do whatever they want. So if you, that's why you know eight people out of New York can manage a DECA billion dollar fund and one of your biggest investors, he's put in $700 million, calls you up and he says, Bridger, hey, I've got a tax problem. I, can you sell some property so I can get some money out? You say, no, I have a fiduciary responsibility to the fund, not to individual investors. The fund is my client and the, the properties, the investments aren't to our maturity date. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to sell them. And you click, and you hang up the phone. That's what happens in a fund. That's why everybody eventually 
goes from syndicate deals and go now wraps them into a fund model because it protects you and you can scale a lot bigger. Setting up individual syndicate deals for each entity, each property is a risky way to go and a lot of work. Um, now on the same tread of setting up, you know, getting a track record, right? You set up your first syndicate deal, it, you you do it, whatever the investment is, you do it for six months, eight months, you get a great return. Now you can use that great return as your track record. And maybe you do a three or four of those. And now that's a fantastic time to start a fund, right? Pitching investors, hey, we've done four syndicate deals. They all went fantastic. The first one made a 20% return. The second one made a 16% return, What you know, X, Y, Z. And now we want to do this. We want to really scale and do this in a fund model. And instead of doing deal by deal basis, we want to do, you know, 30 deals in our fund, which also gives you diversification because you're not all invested in just one property, right? You're invested in 30 different, a little piece in 30 different properties across our entire fund. That's an awesome thing to to pitch, right? And now you have a track record to do it. Um, So I hope that clears up some questions between a difference between a syndicate and a fund. And I think syndicates are a fantastic way to build a, a really great track record. Now you just need to structure them the right way. You're still going to need a higher lawyer to get that operating agreement together. Um, the risks of aggressive takeover or investors calling you and trying to, you know, muscle you around and push you out is a lot greater in a syndicate deal versus a fund. Now, last thing I want to say is what you can do as well is let's say you've got three or four syndicate deals set up and they're running well and doing well. You can then set up a fund and the fund buys those three or four syndicate deals and wraps them in to a fund. Pretty cool, right? Like you can just start with syndicate deals. Syndicate deals are going well. The fund then buys those syndicate deals at a fair market value. Your original investors get liquidated with a good return, which builds your track record. And your investors are like, dang, that was an awesome. I loved investing with you. This is great. Like, yeah, I'll put money into your fund. Let's do it. So they are now liquidated. You can then repitch them on putting money into your fund. That's an amazing, amazing way to launch a fund right there. Um, anyways, hope that helps. Hope this is kind of a quick episode. Um, anyways, and that, I, I talked to the guy after and, and we at that class and we, we ended up being, it was, it was a great, great thing, but it was kind of funny in that BYU class. Um, anyways, hope that helps. If you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram. Let me know what your thoughts are. Love you guys. Peace. Hey guys, wasn't that awesome? Hey, if you want to learn more about funds, how to get going, how to get started, we did something cool. I put together what I call a mini vault and we've recorded a ton of training videos and resources to help you launch a fund. In addition to that, I gave you my favorite pitch deck that I used for a fund previously. I also give you a step-by-step guide of how to go through and launch your fund. Additionally, you once you get into our mini vault group, you are put into our private Facebook group and guess what? I go live in there once a week to answer your questions specifically about the fund and you get to interact with other fund managers from around the country and around the world. So if you're interested, go to www.investmentfundsecrets.com. You can hop in and join the group, join the private members group, get the resources, download the PDFs, and I would love to see you in there. Love you guys. Peace.